Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Welcome to May. We're glad that you're here with us. It's been uh, a fun year so far. This is week one of our second season in the year 2019 for us here at City Collective, and we are excited to get it kicked off with a new series. Uh, Easter is a lot of fun. We get to talk about new life. We get to talk about the story of the cross and where, where Jesus comes to us, and I think that one of the, the disconnects that we find in the church is we talk about new life and we talk about resurrection and we talk about how that new life is for us and it's, it's through Jesus. But in a lot of ways, our experience of faith is really isolated to a Sunday morning gathering or to a Bible study or to doing something good in our world. And in reality, majority of our life is not spent doing that. Majority of our life is spent in what we would probably categorize as the mundane and as the common. And so what we're going to be doing over the next three weeks is we're going through a series called Rhythms. And it's going to be discussing a couple different areas that are probably taking up majority of your week. And they are work, rest, and play. And seeing, seeing how those normal moments in our lives perhaps provide us the greatest opportunity to experience the true beauty that Jesus invites us into. That it doesn't have to be isolated to a Sunday morning gathering or to a Sunday night or to a Saturday night community group or to gathering to do something good. But Jesus is not set in specific boxes that somehow fit perfectly into our life, but he wants to be a part of everything. And I know we say that, and in a lot of ways, we think that, but we don't really live that way. We've got a Jesus box, if you're a Christian, a faith box that we can open up every once in a while. But when I go to work, well, work is beyond hope anyway, so I'm going to leave that behind. I'm going to pretend that uh, I'm going to go on Sunday, get filled up, feel good about myself, get what I need to survive the week. Have you ever said that? I need the weekend to survive the week that's to come. But that doesn't sound like the story of renewal and redemption and reconciliation in Jesus. If he wants to be a part of every single part of our lives, why does part of our lives have to be completely absent of him? So this is what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. Uh, These deeply ingrained rhythms and and rituals that we have in our lives that we are forced to and choose to engage with all the time. And they often get the least introspection and thought. We just kind of do them. They kind of just exist as part of our lives. But these everyday moments, they make up the majority of what we do. And so we're going to talk about that, uh, three weeks of that. And then we're going to be jumping into a series about a guy named Jacob and how he went through a process of what it meant to wrestle with God. But let's talk about work. And here's the truth about work. I, uh, I like to be busy. Uh, and I'm guilty of that over and over and over again. Uh, and I get a level of fulfillment in getting things done. And so for those in the room who adhere to the Enneagram, I fall into the three category. I think I'm probably another one, but whatever. We'll say, let's say I'm a three for right now. <laughs> and and uh, I get a lot of satisfaction out of like checking a box. And if I do something, 
I'm probably going to put that onto my checklist so I just get to check it off afterwards. Because it feels good to get work done. And that's just who I am. Uh, and some of that is obviously a little dependence on my personality and who you are and what you do. But uh, I think that everyone has a little bit of satisfaction out of what it means to, to work. And, and for, for myself specifically, what I get to do in, in being a pastor, I get to do a lot of things that I really love. I get to, to read and I get to write. I get to spend time with people and, and drink coffee socially and, and enjoy that in moments. <laughs> and then at the same time, I, I get to spend, I'm just, I'm sorry, my, my train of thought went somewhere completely different. Uh, I get to spend moments with different people in various situations of, of life and the different things that they go through. And uh, I get to be that person who works on organizational strategy and, and fundraising and doing all those things. And I, and I enjoy those elements. Um, but I'm not particularly good at like, taking vacation. And I have trouble like, being away from, from this and from being a part of like, the normal rhythms of life. I like to feel deeply needed all the time. And that's a confession. I enjoy that feeling, and, and the honest truth of it as a pastor is I can manufacture that really easy. Just call someone up, hey, I feel like God's been telling me this about your life. <laughs> do you need prayer? No? I think you do. <laughs> you can manufacture it if you really, really want. But work is one of those things that we've got a, a really interesting mindset about it as, as a society. It's a means to an end. It is a part of our day that we just have to, to get through. But I would like to advocate that I think that work is actually holy. And sure, work can feel like hell. But the way it is designed and the way that we're introduced into it, invited into it, is meant to be more than simply that. And until we identify how work is kind of misaligned in our lives, and it, it is possible for many of us, actually carries a sense of wound, a sense of hurt, we won't be able to actually enjoy the fullness that God wants to invite us into in the, work of, in, in the space of work. So I'm going to read a scripture, and it's one that everyone will know, most people will know, Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God covering the surface of the waters. And then it goes on to say, night and day, space and sky, plants and trees, sun and moon, fish and birds, animals and livestock, humans, all of that was good. And then it ends by saying, then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Let's pray. Father, thank you that the idea of work comes from you. I pray that as we listen and as we engage today in the idea of work being more than simply the common and mundane moments of our life, that we have an opportunity to identify you in our story. Thank you that new life is not isolated to a Sunday gathering or to a spiritual environment, but new life is everywhere, all the time, and always through you. Help us to discover that. 
May our hearts be open and ready to receive this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, are you a picky eater? And I've, I've talked about food before, and maybe it's because I just like food. But uh, I'm not really asking, are you a picky eater in terms of, like, what you eat, but more in terms of, like, how you eat. So, for example, turkey dinner time with the fam, everything's laid out. Do you make sure that there is separation between each of your pieces of food? Do you not like your food to touch? I know that there are some that might feel that way. Uh, it's, I'm sorry that you feel that way. But there, I think that the way that we eat sometimes reveals a lot about us. And we're not going to do that whole session right now. We'll talk about that next time. No, I'm just joking. I, I don't have that kind of credential to break down that for you. But the idea of how we eat is, is really interesting. Like in the Indian culture, you don't eat things in an isolated manner. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you just eating rice? What? The, the rice is the medium for the curry. There's this... There's this incredible dish that you get uh, from, from my home, and there's a banana leaf in the middle, and then all these little uh, bowls along the edge with these different wonderful curries and, and chutneys and, and little bits of rice, and you're not supposed to just eat, pick up one and eat it. Mm-mm. The party's in the middle. You got to bring it all together, mix it all together, and enjoy how everything fits and flows and, and mixes together. Even if you're not sure if it's going to taste good together, I can guarantee you that it will. It's going to be so, so good. And, and instead of trying to keep things separate, you enjoy it so much more when you keep it together. And the idea of how we eat our food and maybe keeping it separated is a little silly, but in a lot of ways, I think that is how we treat our our faith and our work and our play and our family and our rest in our entire lives is that we've got our banana leaf in the middle, but you've got everything in these little bowls along the edge that you keep separate. And instead of mixing it together and having the fear of it tainting one another and not mixing well together, you keep it separate. And, and you're missing the opportunity of how good all of it could be if it mixed together. I, I think our disenfranchisement with the church and Christianity or, and even religion in general can often be felt on how distant from our reality our spirituality can sometimes feel. That we show up on Sunday and we talk about Jesus and we talk about faith and yeah, it feels good and yes, we're going to pray and yes, we're going to believe together and then we go to work on Sunday and we're like, I don't remember how any of that applies to my real everyday life. <laughs> And we keep it separate. But statistics show that over the course of, a, of your lifetime, on average, you will spend 90,000 hours at work. And some of you are like, gross. <laughs> that is like a sad statistic. But even if, if that is your reaction, I would like to challenge you yet again. Why is that bad? Why does that have to be a bad thing that part of your life is spent at work? Because if we think that way, obviously our experience at work is not often particularly good. <laughs> and it's a matter of survival in a lot of senses. 
So the manner in which we talk about work and we treat our work environments and our faith experiences can feel very much like, like a picky eater who doesn't want their food to touch for fear that somehow one will be tainted by the other. And, and then we work really hard for majority of our lives so that maybe if we're lucky, maybe if we've strategized appropriately, saved enough, we can not work for a small part of our lives and enjoy that. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I want to retire someday, and I'm doing my best to manage my resources in a healthy manner, and I have a long-term imagination for what my wage-earning potential could be. But, what, but if what drives you and drives our imagination of work is the desperate hope that one day we won't have to do it, then I worry that we won't ever have a healthy relationship with this idea of work today. If we are constantly pursuing the end of our work in the midst of it, it is difficult to have a healthy relationship with work in our present day. You with me? So this is what the Bible has to say about it. So maybe if we go back to the beginning and we talk from Genesis there, we can start to build a little bit of a foundation and grounding from which we can move forward to talk about work. So you see our story starts this way, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And this is probably one of the most well-known verses, not just in the Bible, but really in all of literature. And, And there's a couple things to know. But first of all, that opening statement, in the beginning, it comes from this Hebrew word that's called bereshit. And, and it doesn't have the exact translation that says in the beginning. And in the beginning is, is really romantic and it's really beautiful and it feels like the start of something. But the idea of Bereshit is less of a historical word and more of a prompt into the person, into, into God. And trying to tell us less about when it began and more about the person who began it. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And from the very beginning, we see that God is an advocate for what? Work. He's putting in work right at the beginning. Because I think often we we associate the idea of work as if it is part of the curse that we experience in the world. Just like somehow childbearing is part of the curse. Well, work is part of the curse. But that is not the case at all. Work was happening before and at the very beginning. Work is of God. Then why do I struggle with it? Why do I resent it in moments? Why do I think of as many excuses when I get up each morning about why I shouldn't go to work today? Why do I have to set four different alarms and hit the snooze button five different times before I get up to work? Why am I not excited to step into something that is of God and that is holy? Sometimes this is the way we perceive it. So it's not in the beginning that simply God began to do something, but it's when God began, God created the heavens and the earth and everything was formless and Dark covered over the deep chaos, but divine breath was hovering over it all, and God spoke light into it. Now, I happen to think that is far more poetic, and why that's important to, in the story is that it's not so much about a historical breakdown as it is about God. In other words, God isn't telling you something about history. He's telling you something about himself, that God creates, and God speaks, and God imagines and God works. 
And this is how the story plays out. And he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, and it's very good. And then he's like, I'm going to take a, roll, take a moment, I'm going to take a deep breath, and I'm going to invite humanity to now step into the role that I was just doing. And God says, why don't you take over from here? And literally in the story of humanity that is created in the image of God, the very thing that we're tasked to do is more of what God is already doing. Humans are told to make other humans. Plants are told to make other plants. Humanity is told to get creative and start naming the things that are all around them because let's be honest, the world is far more fascinating when you have names and story associated with it. So in this very first story in the Bible, it is about this creative God who creates creative things in his infinitely creative image. But there's something that the Hebrews took note of in this story, and it was this deep conviction that work was holy. That work wasn't just about surviving, that it wasn't just about earning a living, it wasn't just about participating in some monetary structure that valued productivity above all else. Work was somehow first and foremost about our participation with God in the ongoing creation of the world around us. And this is one of the real problems sometimes when it comes with our relationship with work today because often the only value that we see in our work is what? You make that cash. You get those dollar bills. It's about getting ahead. It's about making that money. And, and, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to give you the impression I'm saying money, evil, bad. No, there, there, there is something that we, we need to be doing to provide for ourselves and for our families in the world that we have today. Paul, when he writes in Thessalonians, he says that you're being too spiritual, that you're not going to be able to feed yourselves. He's recognizing that you can't just sit around and, and pray all the time and do nothing instead of actually engaging in the world around you. Sometimes we get that mixed up in our faith experience that we think that because we need to experience God all the time, we can't actually be doing things that participate in society and in the world. And we we mark money as bad, but it's the thing that our heart lusts for that needs to be kept in check. So even if you are working and you are making money, that does not make money bad. But if the only reason that you are working is to make money, you are robbing yourself of the experience that work can actually provide for you. Because money will be a cruel master. But I'll also say this, I like making money. (laughs) I'm grateful that I I get paid. I'm, I'm grateful that I get to buy things that I need. And I'll be honest, I like to eat good food. I I, I like to go on vacation and enjoy nice things. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with deserving wages that you've earned. I'm not sure if money's ever going to be enough to satisfy our exchange for something that was meant to be so deeply embedded in us. So there's a philosopher named Zizak, and he, he talks about this, he talks about Diet Coke. And, and when Coke first came out, it had a couple different ingredients in it, and one of them was cocaine. Yeah. Cocaine was one of the primary ingredients in Coca-Cola. 
Kind of makes sense. Uh, that, along with sugar, made it one of the most popular drinks immediately. Wonder why. <laughs> the people love the Coca-Cola. Nobody knew why, but everybody knew why. <laughs> so they were uh, in, including cocaine in the recipe and sugar, and it had all these stimulants. And then eventually we found out, cocaine, not so good for you. So they took that out, <laughs> and then they started to include the, more sugar. And you started to get more addicted to it in that sense. And then eventually we got to like more present-day conversations. We're like, sugar is bad. Let's get rid of the sugar too. And so suddenly, all the things that we loved about Coca-Cola no longer were present in Coca-Cola. And yet, we continue to drink it. And it's funny. We've gone to like this sugar-free, caffeine-free, cocaine-free Coca-Cola and we keep buying it, though it doesn't serve the needs and that similar function of stimulating us that original, original Coca-Cola was meant to do. And in a lot of ways, this sounds about how we talk about work at times. See, work was supposed to be our contribution to God's story, an outlet for our creativity, a way to come to understand the divine through labor, even as we were made, as, even as we made a living for ourselves and the world around us. And slowly over time, the idea of work was emptied of everything that was actually good. And the only thing that was really left was the paycheck. And we wonder why work is so unsatisfying. Now, some of you are going to argue and you're going to say, yeah, 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 okay, I get it. You're a pastor, so of course you're going to find satisfaction in your work and you're going to feel like there's an opportunity for God to be present in your work. But whether you work on spreadsheets, you work with kids, you manage rental properties, you're an electrician, this right here is what I think is the problem because somehow along the way we have dulled our imagination of what it takes to see the true and deep meaning of work in our worlds. Do you look for spiritual excuses to resent your work? My work took too much of my time today, so I didn't get to spend enough time with God. It's my work's fault. I was consumed with the ideas that I had to be executing at work, and so I didn't have my... I, my mind on the things of God. And we make excuses. And, and we, we, again, we put work in a negative light. I hope you hear my heart that I think that we have placed work in a, in a negative light and we are robbing ourselves of the opportunity to actually experience God in the midst of it. Because when Jesus came, he did not come so that we can just sing nice songs on a Sunday gathering. He came so that he could be a part of every breath that we take, so that he could be that rhythm of grace in between and underneath every moment of our lives. And that does not mean that we will not have hard moments or that work will sometimes, will always be the most wonderful experience that you could have ever dreamed of. But it does mean that we can search and we can see and we can discover Jesus in the midst of it. I love the fact that when Jesus tells stories, when Jesus tells parables, he doesn't tell them using grand language about theological ideas that includes spiritual thinking and Pharisees and the temple and, and a pastor standing on a platform. No, no, what does he talk about? He's trying to teach us something. 
When he's telling parables, what does he use? He uses our work. Because perhaps the truth about who God is to you is not going to be found in a pastor speaking on a Sunday morning, but in those moments when you actually reflect and consider the parable that is in your work during the week. I do not believe that your workplace is beyond saving. And maybe you don't say that out loud, but in some ways, you might be thinking it in your heart. And you think to yourself, well, I'm glad I've got nice people on Sunday because i got to deal with those people during the week. Or, or we say things like, that's just the culture of the industry. That's just the way things are. So I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to just pretend like none of it is going to impact me. What if? What if the invitation that Jesus gives to us is that I'm with you at all moments and you can see and you can discover my goodness and my great your life in the midst of your work. That parables are in your story on a day-to-day basis. That in the things that you do over and over and over again, that you never give a second thought to, perhaps those could be the things that actually draw you closer to who Jesus is. Rhythms in our life are not simply there to be cut off once Sunday ends and then started up once the service begins and you see Benji's face on the screen. It's a nice face. I agree. It is meant to be in every moment of our life. What if we were able to develop a spiritual discipline of expanding our imagination to begin to consciously look for parables and seeking out those moments of of divine in the ordinary? In, In Ephesians 2, as Paul is writing, he's talking about how we've broken things and now God is fixing them. And maybe we can even say that God is at work returning things to the way they were meant to be. And so I really like the way that Eugene Peterson has translated this passage in the message because he says this. He says that God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work he had, work we had better be doing. Gotten, God has gotten us ready from the beginning. And, and I know that it's easy to like look at our current situation and be like, it's hard to see God there. Sure, Jason, you can see God because you are praying with people and you're reading the Bible and you're preparing on it for a Sunday. And sure, God can be present in that. But when I'm talking with somebody on my work site, I can guarantee you God is not present in that moment. <laughs> and we isolate and we and, and it's not just the idea of work being holy that I want you to capture, but if we are isolating and separating moments, then we are isolating and separating God from the fullness of our everyday existence. To be a follower of Jesus is not simply to adhere to moments that are structurally a part of institutions. It is to seek and discover him in every single moment of our lives. 
because he is always present and he is always speaking and he is always inviting. So the passion that you have in your heart, that you feel flare up when you are amongst other Christians, right? in a church gathering or in a Sunday experience, those passions for, for mercy and for justice, those, passion, those passions for compassion and for grace, those passions for, for community and for acceptance, those don't stop being real passions inside of you when you exit the four walls of a church. If we are to be a community that is about more than a Sunday morning, it has to start with how we see our Savior. If we only see him as being possible of working and moving in our lives in these isolated gatherings, we will never be who Christ has called us to be. Because we will have isolated him out of our everyday existence. Those 90,000 or however many hours, 900,000 hours, whatever it was, that you spend working. He is present in every single one of those. You just need to look. There's a parable to be told in every story that is going to speak so deeply to who you are and to the people around you. One of the most powerful things that we can do as a community, as Christians, is to, to operate and to act in a space that is not normal. That is not normally the place where you see someone show grace, show love, show kindness, and compel the people around us to ask the question, why? If you want to talk evangelism and sharing Jesus with our world, the most powerful thing you can do is to carry him into your workplace. Whether you are a teacher who is speaking life into these kids on a daily basis. That you go into these spaces where these kids are coming from hurting homes or maybe hard moments or perhaps not even just being aware of the idea of God at all and you get to pour the love and grace and power of Jesus on them through your heartfelt care for them. That's Christ in your story. If you are a city planner, working in government, some politician in our city. If that is your story, well, you're contributing to the ways in which God wants to see beauty be brought into the world in which we live. That you get to be part of the story of renewal and revival and seeing the story of people coming back together in families and finding homes and finding a place where they belong. That, that can be your story. If you're, if you're a salesman or an electrician and you go into these environments and perhaps it might not seem like a Christ-like environment. It might not seem like a space that's going to accept Jesus. But bring hope through the way you treat people, the way that you respond to their emotions that day, the way that you treat them over and over and over again with the consistency of grace in your story. That is Christ in your work. And this, this might seem so simple and so ordinary, but that's what makes the grace of Jesus so beautiful is that he does not require a perfected situation in, so, in order to show himself present and at work. But if you just look beside you in the ordinary and mundane moments of your life, I guarantee that you will find him present with you. And when he is present, we can invite him in.
and in our conversation that we've had 10 times with the individual that we know what they're going to say, we know they're going to complain, we know it's moment after moment where it has just kind of drained us. That that 10th time might be the moment where they ask, hey man, I just I don't know why you keep on listening to me, but what do I do? It's the power of the opportunity in your work. Work doesn't have to be just moments of compassion and outreach. And like we, the idea of faith and works is kind of always in opposition in the Bible. And we think about works as these compassion moments, these good things that we do. But it is not isolated to that. It is your career. Your career can be a beautiful place to see faith come alive through good work. Grace is found in the rhythms of life, not in the parameters of an institution. And I so believe that the greatest impact that the church can make in the world is not in our holidays, it's not in our isolated spirituality, it is in the spirit moving through ordinary moments, the daily rhythms of our life. Your work can be transformed through an awareness of God's activity in every area. So for this reason... God is more concerned with, with your attitude about work than the particular task that you perform. God is concerned that each individual's full potential is met through their heart first and then their action second. Because it might not be that you're in your final destination right now. That does not mean that you cannot be discovering his power in your life right now. So what I want to do quickly is in this time that we have left, I want to give you six categories for God's work in the world. So maybe tomorrow you'll return to your redemptive work and you're more creative. It's counselors, mediators, writers, producers, singers, songwriters, maybe a poet, uncovering and incorporating stories, return, and homecoming in their work because by showing us stories of healing and repair, not only do you remind us that it is possible, but you actually make it, make healing possible for us. Maybe yours is specifically a creative work, that you are a musician, an actor, and a sculptor, but it's so much more than that, that maybe you could be a, a potter, a weaver, an interior designer, a metal worker, a carpenter, a framer, a builder, an architect, an urban planner, and anyone who brings new shapes and forms and concepts to life around us because ideas are beautiful, and this is what we, we need in our stories. Maybe what you do is about sustaining the world and, and you're a bureaucrat or a public utility worker, a policy, policy maker, a firefighter, repairman, a banker, a broker, a civil servant, a building inspector, a plumber, a welder, a janitor that maintains and sustains all kinds of things that most of us take for granted. And if it is not beneath God to go unnoticed, holding together the magnetic forces that bind my atoms together, then maybe the 311 operator that made sure that we can get what we need so our houses are, are prepared and ready and clean is just as important as well. Maybe what you do is about justice. And this is judges and lawyers and paralegals and regulators and city managers and policy researchers, diplomats, administrators, law enforcement, personnel who work for more than just, for a more just imagination of the world around us. 
And maybe your work is driven by compassion. Doctors, nurses, paramedics, psychologists, therapists, social workers, pharmacists, community advocates, welfare agents, and anyone who takes on the stories of the heart and of the hurts and of the injured in the world to help bring healing and guidance. And maybe your work is defined by revelation, and not revelation as a pastor, but as a, as a teacher, as an educator, as a scholar, as a journalist who helps to understand the world around us in new and better ways. Always moving, always present, always searching for you to discover him in the midst of the mundane. And perhaps you didn't fall into any of those categories. That does not somehow mean that you do not get to experience God in that. If it is a Walmart greeter or an astronaut, every experience of our work is Christ in it. So this is my prayer for you today. You might work to find God in your work and that in this, your work might become a blessing to you. I think work is the hardest place to sometimes find God because it is our own strength that we're walking in. That we, we know how to do things and we do them well and we do them to the fullest of our abilities, but Jesus calls you beloved not because of what you do, but because of what he's done. So would you pray with me? So Father, we're so grateful that you meet us in every single moment that you are active and working and moving in our story, that from the very beginning, work was your idea, that you knew that we had the opportunity to find fulfillment and to find hope and to find joy in it, to see you in the midst of all of it and to be part of this ongoing creation in our world. I pray for each one of us today that our heart's attention in our work would not fixated upon the end result of a paycheck, but, but, but on the possibility of discovering you in the midst of it. I pray that our mindset around work would not simply to get it done so that we can be on to the next thing, but to be in it, to be present, and to be a possible conduit of your grace to all those who are in it as well. Thank you for being part of our ordinary and mundane moments. Thank you for being part of our moments of struggle and hurts and our moments of victory and celebration. For every person that's here this morning that is experiencing some, some strife or some conflict or some breakdowns at work, in their workplace or in their career, and even in their just their mindset about what they want to be doing next. I pray that there is an overwhelming sense of peace that they discover through you. That you would give them opportunities to discover you in the midst of it. Thank you that the parables that you tell are always being told through the lives that we live. May we see you and discover you and, and know you in a special way. We're grateful that this is your story and, and we get to take part in it. Help us to discover our place. 
your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.